Good morning, Vista. How are we? My name is Sarah Hammond, and I get to serve here at Vista as the associate community pastor. And we are so glad that you have joined us for worship this morning, and we hope that you feel loved and welcomed and wanted here with us because you just are. We're so glad that you're here. As you can see, we're, some spending, we're spending some time this summer sort of cruising around the Psalms. And the Psalms just have a way of drawing us in, don't they? Where most of the Bible wants us to sort of know something and believe something, the Psalms wants us to feel something, to experience something. Psalms is this place where the language of poetry collides with raw theology, and I think it just, it just grips us. And so we're excited to be in the Psalms this summer. We've discussed some in uh, the first two weeks of the series that the book of Psalms is a book of prayers, a book of song and worship. As I was thinking through which Psalm I wanted to share with you guys, I really struggled to kind of commit to this one. Because even though I felt drawn to it, I worried that maybe it was too familiar. And sometimes when I read familiar passages like Psalm 23, I can uh, tend to have a little bit of road blindness. You know how you can drive the same route so often that you eventually can do it without thinking about it at all? And then one day you find yourself driving to work instead of picking up your grocery order, which is what you were supposed to be doing. Anybody? Someone's waving at me back there. Yeah, I've done that. Uh, so we can sometimes approach the word of God, I think, with, with this mindset. It can become so familiar that the words can sort of come and go from our minds without leaving any sort of footprint. And so my hope is this morning that we can sort of uh, read through this psalm a little bit slower and look a little bit closer at the words of David, our psalmist. So as we uh, read our text together, um, I'd like to ask all of you to stand up with me. Yeah. When we uh, sing in worship and the band's up here playing, we love to, to stand and experience this communal, this communal place of worship together. And so I want us to do that this morning as we worship with the words of Psalm 23. And we're going to start and we're going to read together out loud. And we're going to start with this prayer. Uh, this prayer that will help sort of set our hearts in motion to praise him. So we'll pray this together, and then we'll continue reading in our passage out loud together. You can follow on the screen or in your Bible. Let's pray this. God, I choose to rejoice in your blessing today, joining with the ancient praise of all God's people in the words of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. So Psalm 23 paints this imagery of God as the good shepherd who provides for and protects 
his flock. And y'all, when I think about God as being the good shepherd, I just can't help but think about God as being the good father who loves and cares for his children so carefully and thoughtfully. And that just feels appropriate today, doesn't it? It's Father's Day. We just say happy Father's Day to all of our incredible Vista dads. What you do in the lives of your children is meant to be holy work. And we are honored as your church to partner with you in raising up children who love Jesus. I also know that Father's Day can be hard for some. Uh, For some of you, maybe your fathers aren't with you anymore in this life. For some of you, your fathers were never with you or part of your life. And so today can be a hard day for some. And we just wanna acknowledge that. The good shepherd, the good father, he sees you and he knows your heart. So the Lord, our shepherd, Psalm 23. I think in order for us to appropriately uh, understand this Psalm, we have to first acknowledge its author, David. What do we know about David? Anybody? He was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. If anyone understood shepherding, it was him. He was intricately acquainted with what it meant to be a shepherd. But we also know that David was a skilled musician. In 1 Samuel, when we see uh, King Saul, anytime he was tormented with this evil spirit, what did he do? He would call for the shepherd boy, David, to come and play the lyre. And scripture says that he was skilled in playing. And so we have this talented musician, David, who writes this beautiful song about the Lord as his shepherd, the very role that he had spent his life in. So I just picture this psalm being an incredibly personal song for David to have written. Now the imagery of shepherding that David uses all throughout, this would have been very common imagery to be used in the ancient Near East. It was a common language, so they would have understood it. And it's also fairly common imagery in the Hebrew Bible for God specifically to be portrayed as the shepherd. So in Psalms, there's actually several other Psalms where God is portrayed as the shepherd. And the prophets, they often pictured God as the shepherd. For example, in Isaiah 40, we read that he, that's the Lord, will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. So it was this familiar language, this familiar imagery to the people of that time. But it's not so familiar for us. It's not something we hear a lot about. In fact, I can remember as a child thinking that shepherds were something akin to resurrections and leprosy healings. Anybody else? I thought as a child, I thought shepherds are something of biblical times and they really look something like this. Wonder if you guys recognize this. Yeah, precious moments. Anybody remember these? This was, this was a shepherd to me. I'm sure this is an accurate portrayal as David, the little shepherd boy. But of course that's not true. Shepherding is not just this ancient biblical occupation. And while we might not hear of people often pursuing the occupation of a shepherd, it is still very much an active way of life in parts of our world today. For example, there's a shepherd by the name of James Rebanks who currently resides in and cares for his flocks in the countryside of Northwestern England. In fact, his family have shepherded sheep in those hills for six centuries. 
That's a long time. It's impressive. So James Rebanks wrote a book called The Shepherd's Life. And in that book, he says this about shepherding. There is no beginning and there is no end. The sun rises and it falls each day and the seasons come and go. The days, months, and years, they alternate through sunshine, rain, hail, wind, snow, and frost. The leaves fall each autumn and they burst forth again each spring. The earth spins through the vastness of space. The grass comes and goes with the warmth of the sun. The farms and the flocks, they endure bigger than the life of a single person. We are born, we live our working lives, and we die passing like the oak leaves that blow across our land in winter. We are each tiny parts of something enduring, something that feels solid, real, and true. Shepherding is a way of life. Shepherds don't work nine to five. They're essentially always working in in some manner. Shepherds always know where their sheep are. And if the sheep are somewhere they shouldn't be, they retrieve them. Uh, A shepherd knows what his sheep need and and make sure that they have it. A shepherd knows uh, what threatens his flock and he protects them at all cost. He knows. But it's more than just a doing. It's a knowing. See, in Psalm 23, David's not writing an essay about shepherding, is he? No, he's painting this picture for us. He's not giving us information about how God is going to lead us as a shepherd, but he's painting this picture for us so that we can know what it looks like and what it feels like to be led by the good shepherd. He's painting this beautiful picture. And in this picture, we see the Lord as the shepherd. But have you ever thought about, if the Lord is my shepherd, what does that make me? What does that make you? The sheep, right? And, and I don't know about you, but I'm all for the Lord being my shepherd. But there's something about me being the sheep that just doesn't sound quite as nice. But when I read Psalm 23 and I approach it through this lens, things take a little bit of a different shape. And so that's what I want us to do this morning. We're going to read Psalm 23 through the eyes of the sheep, because that's us. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now we pause here at verse 1 because the truth is that Verse one really summarizes the entirety of the chapter. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. See, David knows firsthand that that a good shepherd is vital to the life of a sheep, is vital. And so in verse one, when he says the Lord is my shepherd, he is making a confident statement of need and belonging. He says the Lord is my shepherd, therefore what? Therefore I am his sheep. Therefore, I belong to him. I need him. My life depends on him. So verse one sets the tone for all the rest of this entire passage. The rest of these verses are just these beautiful supporting verses. He is my shepherd. My life depends on him. And because of that, I have all that I need. Why? Verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
So here's the thing about sheep. Sheep are incredibly needy animals. Sheep cannot reliably find the things that they need for life. So food, water, and shelter, they cannot find these things on their own. They need help. Sheep need a shepherd because they have needs that they cannot meet on their own. And while most of us here, we may not be struggling to find the basic essentials, but I'm willing to bet that there are some here that are struggling to feel full, to feel fulfilled, to feel satisfied. See, we will always have a lack and a longing apart from the good shepherd. But here's the beautiful thing. To have need is not wrong. In fact, it is by design that God has given us these longings and these needs that only he can fill. Sometimes they're physical needs and sometimes they're unseen. But the good shepherd, he delights and he thoughtfully cares for all of our needs. And do you know why? Because in doing so, he demonstrates his character to us when he meets those needs. See, it's in our need that the character of God is made known to us. And oh, how he delights in making his character known. In verse four, David writes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's important for us to remember that even though the Lord is our shepherd, we will still walk through valleys in our lives. And hasn't that been the case? Even though he's our shepherd, we still know that we will walk through valleys. And there's a few reasons that a sheep could end up in a valley. There would have been plenty of times that David, as a shepherd, would have had to lead his flock through a dark valley or a deep canyon in order to get them to a thing that they needed in order to survive and thrive. And the good shepherd does the same for us. There are times that we have to go through these valleys and he leads us through them in order to get us to something that he knows that we need and he wants us to have. There are those times. But there are also times that a sheep might end up in a dark valley because he was mindlessly grazing his way through the flock as sheep sometimes do. Um, And then he suddenly found himself in this valley, alone, separated from the flock, because he just wandered off, just went his own way. See, sheep need a shepherd because they're prone to wonder. Sometimes sheep find themselves lost in a valley because somewhere along the way, they lost sight of the shepherd. They lost sight of the shepherd. Isaiah 53, 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. We're like sheep, prone to wonder. I know this firsthand because I know my own heart, prone to wonder. And valleys in life are inevitable. But here's the beautiful thing. No matter why or how we ended up in the valley, one thing remains true. The valley is the place where the comfort of God is made known to us. The valley is where we experience the comfort of God. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, the valley can be a dangerous and disorienting place, can't it? Dangerous and disorienting. 
And uh, the, the shepherd's tools of the rod and the staff, they are used to protect the sheep and also to lead the sheep along these uh, unknown and sometimes treacherous paths. And there's something incredibly comforting about being protected and led, especially when you feel vulnerable. It's this sense of, thank goodness, I'm not in charge. And the shepherd is here to lead me. Often when we've wandered away from the shepherd, it's because somewhere along the way, we either intentionally or unintentionally began to lead ourselves. See, to follow the Lord as our shepherd requires us to move, to move from leading to being led. And even if we've experienced the comfort of God and his protection and his leading, it can still be hard to be led. It's still hard to surrender that control, isn't it? Sometimes we have no idea where he's leading us and we're forced to trust the shepherd. Sometimes we just don't like where he's led us. Isn't that true? Sometimes we feel like, I deserve better. God, I asked you to lead me over here to this place, and instead, I'm standing here at this valley, and I just, I just don't like it. And so we can be really tempted to resent and resist the leading of the good shepherd. Henry Nouwen wrote, spiritual maturity is the ability and the willingness to be led where you would rather not go. We might not understand the valleys, y'all, and I promise you that we will never like them. But if we're led by the good shepherd and we're trusting in his protection and his guidance, then we are promised to know his comfort along the way. So these last two verses of Psalm 23, y'all, they're really like bonus verses. Wouldn't it be enough for the sheep to be provided for and protected? I think so, but there's more. He gives us more. Verses five and six, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One thing that really struck me as I was reading uh, James Rebank's book, The Shepherd's Life, was how much the shepherd truly loves his sheep. I think I always kind of thought this was sort of the, part of the metaphor for God being our shepherd. He loves us. And, and of course he loves us. He's God. He's the good shepherd. In John 10, we read, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. But the truth is, loving their sheep is foundational to the shepherd. See, the shepherd's life is intricately woven into the life of his flock. He names them, he names them. I, I was reading in this book, uh, Rebanks talks about making these things that he calls sheep cakes. This made me laugh. Um, it's this treat that is loaded down with good fats and nutrition, and he brings these treats to the ewes who are pregnant uh, with his lambs. He, he wants to give them this treat. They don't just give them the essentials, like he gives them more. Uh, the shepherd is with the mothers when they give birth, and he writes about the deep sadness of losing lambs during lambing season. The shepherd cares deeply for his flock. 
Interestingly, Rebanks, the shepherd, he, uh, he runs a very active Instagram account uh, where thousands of people follow along with his shepherding life. Kind of makes me laugh. He, he posted this picture of some of his sheep where he wrote, there is not I love like my flock of sheep. Well, apart from my family and stuff. He's an eloquent writer. So it's, it's not a doing. It's a knowing. A shepherd knows his sheep. The good shepherd doesn't want heartless religious obedience from us. No, the good shepherd wants to be in relationship with us because it's in relationship that the heart of God is made known to us. The heart of the Lord, our God, he is generous and kind and caring. It says, you prepare a table before me. A table is a a place of intimacy. If you were to share, share a meal with someone around a table, it's because you're in relationship with them. You're you're sharing life with them. He says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Y'all, these are not necessities. They're extras. The good shepherd, he doesn't do the bare minimum. He doesn't say, look, I saved you. What else do you want from me? He doesn't do that. The good shepherd gives us these lavish gifts because he's a good father who longs to be in relationship with us. Sheep need a shepherd. You all hear me? Sheep need a shepherd. There's no such thing as a healthy, self-sufficient sheep. It does not exist. And yet, if we look at the world around us, at society, and and oftentimes all in our own lives, what we see is how often the shepherd is replaced by self. A shepherdless worldview says, I've got this. I can do this. Do what makes you happy. You do you. Paul Miller writes in his book, A Praying Life. He he writes this paraphrase of Psalm 23. Uh, because he wants to give us this idea of what a shepherdless worldview looks like. And, And it looks like this. I lack me, my soul. I walk through the darkest valley. I will fear me, me, me in the presence of my enemies, my head, my cup, all the days of my life. See, without the shepherd leading us, our lives quickly and easily become about ourselves, me and my life, what I want, what I deserve. And you want to know what happens when our lives take an inward focus like this? It's the same thing that happens to a sheep who doesn't have a shepherd. This is what happens. This right here. There he is. Yeah. So meet Chris. Chris um, is actually a very famous sheep. Anybody here ever heard of Chris before? He's not that famous, I guess. So Chris actually died a few years ago, um, yet he remains today to be the record holder for world's heaviest fleece, obviously. Um, And inadvertently, that also means that Chris is the record holder for world's most neglected sheep. See, Chris didn't have a shepherd. 
Chris allegedly uh, wandered away from his flock and he roamed the Australian bush for about six years before he was uh, seen. And when he was discovered, he had sort of lumped himself in with this herd of kangaroo. Isn't that funny? Why? Because sheep need people. They, they need community. That's how they're wired. And so by the time Chris was discovered and captured, his fleece was so heavy that he could barely walk under the weight of it. Isn't that sad? Chris was dying. His physical health was failing. He was emotionally distressed. And he was so afraid of humans, of people, because of his years of isolation, that he had to be sedated just so he wouldn't go into shock when they sheared that massive fleece off of his body to save his life. 90 pounds of wool. (laughs) Yeah, look how wrinkly he is. That wool just weighed him down. Chris went from weighing 186 pounds to 97 pounds post-shearing. That's quite a hair, isn't it? So the, the, the truth is that sheep without a shepherd, they can go where they want. And, and sheep without a shepherd, they can do what they want. And while that might sound great and it might actually be fun for a season, it is guarante- guaranteed to leave you so weighed down by your own efforts and your own striving that your spiritual, emotional, and your physical health can suffer. Several Sundays ago, we got to hear from Jude, one of our elders here at Vista. And in Jude's sermon, he shared a passage from Matthew 9, um, where Jesus was going through the cities, sharing the gospel and preaching the good news. And Matthew 9, 36 says that when he, that's Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Other translations say that they were distressed, dejected, troubled, confused, worried, weary, and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. When we allow the shepherd to be replaced with self, and we lead our own lives with this inward-facing focus, what we do is we step into this impossible cycle of needing to meet our own needs, needing to comfort ourselves, needing to protect ourselves, needing to find our right path, what makes me happy today, and then what makes me happy tomorrow, and the next day, and so on. And it's this constant striving and, and, and attempt to stay afloat, and it's just so exhausting. Do you feel weary and worn out? Psalm 23 invites us to practice this different rhythm of life. David paints this picture for us of what it looks like and feels like to be a sheep who is led by the good shepherd. See, we're invited in to Sabbath as he makes me lie down in green pastures. And we have space for silence and solitude as he leads us beside still and quiet waters. It's in this season of Sabbath and this slowing that he restores my soul. We are invited to walk with God in this relationship, this real and personal relationship. And sometimes walking with God means going through the valley. There is still evil in this life but I will not fear it 
because he comforts me. Walking this relationship with the shepherd, it it leads us into community. Life shared around the table that the shepherd has prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. And this shepherd of mine, y'all, he is so generous and kind. He anoints my head with oil. I'm filled and overcome with gratitude. My cup overflows. Everywhere I go and everywhere I look, I see your goodness and your mercy following me, Lord, and I worship you. It's this different way of living that he invites us into. I worship you, the Lord, my shepherd, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, our shepherd, sometimes we despise being sheep. We despise needing you. But we're designed, God, to be in relationship with you. It's why we're here. And so, God, all this resisting and resenting your leadership, God, it leads us feeling empty and and striving after something different that will never quite fill us. I love this psalm where we see this painting of what it's like, God, you lead us in this beautiful way that that creates space for Sabbath and calm in our souls. And it's how you restore us, God. We run around this life striving and attempting and working, God, and yet you say, hey, just just follow me and, and I'll restore your life to you. So God, I know that there are those here this morning that have no idea what it's like to be in the arms of a good and loving shepherd. And I just pray you would invite them into that space and they would accept and receive your leading and set aside their striving.